0: welcome to talking about movies and stuff i'm alex light with sparky three hopefully you're having a phenomenal day whatever day you are listening or perhaps watching this podcast or youtube channel youtube.com forward slash sparky three give us a like on the video subscribe to the channel be a friend tell a friend that you're listening uh this is your first time here just go ahead and first say this up front uh full-blown spoilers if i mean if you're here i'm assuming you'd want to hear spoilers i'm assuming you just want to hear someone's thoughts I'm not going to do two different versions. It's not what we do here at the show. Also, if it's your first time here, don't have high expectations for this show. As the show continues to build, I will continue to push that narrative because here at Sparky 3, talking about movies and stuff is literally just a fun side project. Our main focus is, of course, Lighthearted Gamers, Anime Plus, and Terrible Football Show, all three of those being weekly shows. Make sure to give them a listen. We'd appreciate that. Uh, this is, like I said, just for fun. So don't have a ton of expectations. Episodes will come out when they come out. Uh, we don't have an exact time frame or anything uh so for today's episode I'm actually flying solo and there's a reason why I'm flying solo it's because the movie that I'm going to be talking about is Halloween Kills as you can see in the title and when it comes to me and all my boys uh that do that do the podcast stuff and even outside the podcast stuff really I'm the only Halloween diehard out of all my friends um now for this movie I did go to see it with John who was on the first talking about movies and stuff for Venom 2 and who's one of my Yeah, he's more or less a co-host at this point at Lighthearted Gamers, just not every single episode, just most of the time. Uh, But, you know, again, he had some stuff to take care of today, and he decided to set out for this because he's not a massive fan of the franchise. He just went just to have have a good time. Uh, But like I said, I am a huge fan of Halloween franchise, and I've got some – I got some very mixed opinions on Halloween Kills. Uh, if you're listening to this, I can safely assume that you're probably a Halloween fan. Um, but even, but just on the slim chance you're not a diehard fan and you don't fully know, I guess, the timeline that we're dealing with here for Kills. Allow me to briefly explain it and waste everyone's time. Um, so this is, of course, the third movie of the David Gordon Green uh, trilogy that he is directing. The fourth, the third movie though, in the current timeline that we're dealing with. So Halloween is split into three main titles. Timelines Now all of course originating from Halloween 1978. The first timeline goes to Halloween 2 1981 then four five and six the other timeline goes from the first one to h2o to resurrection and now this newest timeline is going from the first one to Halloween 2018 to Halloween kills and then Halloween ends that comes out next year. Coming into Halloween 2018. I had sky high expectations. Sky high. I was so pumped for that movie. I was so ready. There were so many things about it that they seemed like they were going to do Right, the original shape was coming back, which of course Nick Castle, John Carpenter, and his son coming back do the score. Uh, Laurie Strode, you know, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, coming back. I had a lot of expectations for this show. You know, uh, John Carpenter not directing, but he is an executive producer as well as Jamie Lee. So I I had a lot of hope. You know, of course, when it comes to you know Nick Castle coming back, obviously the majority of you know pretty much ninety nine percent of the movie is by James Jude Courtney. Uh, The Shape did have one. great shot of you know up in the the window of the house looking down on Lori Um, but going into that movie like I said I had sky high expectations and I was kind of let down leaving the theater Uh, it was still a very good movie I still very much enjoyed it I feel like it did a lot of things absolutely perfect that you would want out of a Halloween movie but there were some things that they really kind of fell short on like the script writing I feel like was kind of lackluster which I mean for any sort of horror slasher movie let's be honest the script is usually never super fantastic anyway when we're going to these types of movies we're going for kills we're going for this tension and the scare etc and that was another thing that the movie did not really do right was I don't feel like it it delivered the tension it had a couple moments where it kind of you know got you a little tense but nothing like what obviously the original the original still stands far above pretty much every other movie So coming into this movie, I had my expectations pretty low uh, just because I didn't want to be disappointed. You know, I kept it pretty mid-range. You know, I I felt myself getting more and more excited to see the movie over the past couple days. But I'm still I was still trying to temper the expectations and coming out of this movie. I feel disappointed. <laughs> I feel it's sad because of how how low I felt like I had my expectations. Maybe I didn't have it as low as I thought, uh, because I don't think it's a, a terrible movie that you should just a, a avoid. So maybe my expectations weren't as low as I wanted. But I definitely left the theater feeling disappointed. Uh, now, now let's talk about what was done right. What was done right was absolutely the title of the movie, Halloween Kills. The kills are fantastic like if, if you're a fan of carnage candy uh you're gonna love the kills in this movie you really get to see michael's brutality which was kind of nice to see uh to see the brutality because you know in the first movie there were some uh really brutal things that you didn't fully get to see like you know obviously the most brutal kill in the first movie, in my opinion, was the uh, the uh, decapitated cop who got his head turned into a jack-o'-lantern. Obviously, you didn't get to see that for fair, fair, fair reasons. Um, but in this movie, you get to see a little bit more of him just being very brutal and just not giving a fuck. Um, so that was actually, that was really cool. I mean, there was there was legitimately some just absolute brutality of Michael just wanting to go on this killing spree. Um, yeah, I also shout out to the fact that you do get to see that head again in this movie. You know, the, uh, the Jack Linder head, shout out to that. Now, the other another thing that they did phenomenal was the first probably 15 to 20 minutes of the movie. I, I, I hate to say this because I don't want to turn people off from seeing the movie. But the first like 15 to 20 minutes was potentially the best part of the movie. And the reason why is because they took it back to 1978 and the, just the way they, the way it was directed, like the filter they had, they kind of had on it, the attention to detail for the environment around and everything for Michael, et cetera, uh, for the officers uniforms, everything was fantastic fantastic attention to detail and the reason why they went back to 1978 was to kind of tie up some knots for um, the first movie that was just kind of alluded to because obviously in like i said in this timeline it goes from 78 to 2018 there is nothing else in between so you know for, for going back you know you get to see officer hawkins um who you know uh was stabbed in the first movie he he survives by the way he does survive he is in this movie he is alive uh he's he's pretty much in the hospital the entire time he was found by allison's boyfriend i think it's uh is it cameron i I don't know you know obviously he's just a side character but i think it's allison's boyfriend you know he uh he's trying to call his friend who of course we know got brutally murdered on the gate uh and then he finds um, uh, Sheriff, you know, Sheriff Hawkins, and and calls an ambulance to give him some help. So we get to see Sheriff Hawkins, you know, back in '78 because you know it was talked about in the um, in in the first in the 2018 movie that he's the one that brought Michael in or caught Michael, whatever. And you so you'd see a young version of him trying to find Michael with his partner. He accidentally shoots his partner when Michael attacks his partner because they go into the Myers house, and you know. His partner, you know, leading up to that, his partner talks about how he was friends with Michael as a kid. Forcefully, his mom just kind of felt bad for the, the Myers, I guess, and made his son, made her son, go over and play with Michael. Michael never really wanted to. Michael was a weird kid, obviously. I mean, he killed his sister at six years old, and you know, so there was a there was the, the moment of where he was talking about how Michael would always just stare out the window and stuff. So this guy goes up, you know, to to that room, and he's setting he's standing at the same the same window you know, just, you know, thinking he's like Haddonfield, you know, the town where nothing exciting happens. And he looks down, he sees fresh boot prints and he's just like, Oh shit. And then Michael quickly comes out of the closet, starts trying to choke him. Sheriff Hawkins accidentally shoots his partner, trying to shoot Michael. And then that's when Michael goes downstairs and is surrounded by the police. You do get to see a Dr. Loomis. Um, I, I, I'm kind of curious who did that stand in for Loomis. I will say that. I am kind of curious of that because, uh, whoever did the voice was the voice for it was okay. I don't know if they maybe I don't know if that was the actual person voicing Loomis or they managed to get some voice stuff from past movies and kind of piece it all together, but uh, kind of looked like him, you know. So overall, I feel like they they portrayed Loomis pretty well in that situation. Obviously, Donald Pleasance is very long past. I think it was like what when Curse of Michael Myers came out, so like ninety four, ninety five so you know whoever did the stand-in for loomis great job there assuming it was a stand-in you know technology's come a long way so i don't know how they handled that but you basically get to see the moment of when michael was captured by the police um and then from there that's when you get to see the brutal scene that we've seen in the trailers uh with the firefighters you know going out to uh lori's house and and michael just murdering everyone uh 11 people dead there and then just went on a massive killing spree from there killed the random uh killed the random elderly couple that we see in the trailers as well by one stabbing a light through her throat and just slamming other dude's head up against uh you know the wall continuously and just cutting his throat and stuff and then the brutality again in this moment the husband and he He's basically already dead, and he's leaned over a table. And Michael stabs him like shit, like six times. Michael just stabs him once for the knife, leaves the knife in, turns around, and gets another knife, stabs him again, gets another knife, stabs him again, just keeps on going, keeps on going. So again the first 20 minutes with that, with that whole pass shot. Fantastic. The kills. Fantastic. I mean, everything with the kills in this movie are just absolutely brutal with eye gouging, you know, a knife straight to the eye. Uh, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's fantastic. Cameron, whew, Cameron had a brutal death. Absolutely brutal. I mean, you know, just continuously having like, uh, like rail like wooden railings from the stairs is like being stabbed into him stabbed into his throat he's still barely alive somehow and then he gets his neck snapped i mean it's like michael is full-blown unhinged now those are the majority of the good things it's like the beginning of the movie and the kills basically everything after that kind of fell short for me um so back to the writing the writing in this movie i just don't think was super great in terms of the actual scripting very cringy you know it's just like i understand this is a horror movie and there's a lot of cringe that you know that we as horror movie fans can accept in in doses right because it's it's expected it's going to be in the movie but it's just like over the top cringe of like these lines of evil must die tonight and just stuff like that and just the way like let's say tommy doyle you know went this movie you get a lot of returning characters from the first movie the nurse that was with loomis at the beginning uh linda lindy uh, i don't remember her name but uh it was one of the it was the um it was the little girl that was being babysit by ann bracket the one that was murdered in the car in the first one um Annie Annie yes um, uh, Annie was murdered in the car and then Linda, Linda Lindy whichever one goes over to Lori's house who is babysitting Tommy Doyle of course and you also get to see uh you know Lonnie another character that ha- had his kind of had an appearance in the in that past bit that we got at the beginning and basically once it kind of once people kind of see like oh shit there's been murders on this street oh shit hey there's the funny there was the funny kid from the from the babysitter in the first movie. That kid was hilarious. could she, see him again very briefly. Uh, then you know that they're all at the bar, or whatever. And then that that's when you kind of start to begin the Haddonfield manhunt, kind of like what you had in Halloween Four, where there was basically a manhunt for Michael. You kind of get the same same bit of that, but like to an extreme. So once they kind of make the decision, like uh, you know where they're going to manhunt, is because two characters uh, a you know they're hot, they're cost you know they're dressed up as a nurse and a doctor who you actually see in the first movie very briefly like so that's a nice little tie in of continu you know just continuing what happened from the first one cuz in the first movie when Michael's literally just walking through the neighborhood and just murdering one person after another like nothing whatever you see when he's walking it's, it's like I think it's like behind his shoulder if i remember correctly this doctor and this nurse these two people getting in their car to leave for a party. Yeah, that's them. They're in this. They go to leave the bar because they see that all these murders happened on their street. And, uh, once, uh, the, once the, the, the female gets into the car, that's when she thought Michael was in the back seat. You know, Tommy comes out there with old Huckleberry, which is a baseball bat that was hanging up in the bar. <laughs> uh, you know, Tommy delivering some cringy lines. Like, oh, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him like, People don't talk like that. Let's be real. Um, you know the car starts driving off the car ends up crashing michael escapes then you get a shot where it's not michael it is another escaped uh, inmate from that bus because there was a brief little like uh, news news report in, in when they were in the bar talking about how an inmate escaped so that inmate is one of the areas where i feel like this movie really fell short um there was a you know between that scene there which that kicked off the manhunt for michael because at this point they're like okay michael is alive you know let's hunt him down so there was that tidbit and then that inmate comes back because this inmate ends up getting into the hospital where everyone's locked down in this hospital at this point this is where Lori's at she has you know cuts in her stomach and that's pretty hardcore they had to sew up and everything karen is there that's where you get the news that michael's alive that we see in the trailer you know the inmate ends up getting into the hospital because also he just wants help like this dude is beating on the glass like please help me please help me and everyone just assumes it's michael and everyone in the damn hospital doctors included is trying to chase this guy to kill him because they're assuming it's michael this was like a legitimate like a 10 minute waste of absolute time in my opinion this was irrelevant for the story the only part of relevant that I saw with this is that it 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 just delivered that Michael existing Michael being in this town drove these people insane to the point where they just assume one person is Michael and just hunting him down. That was completely irrelevant to me. Um, you know That that was the only thing that kind of made it feel relevant, but I felt like that entire sequence was a massive waste of time as a viewer. I really did. You know, Ultimately, the inmate ends up, you know, Karen tries to help him, and he ends up being basically locked You know, in a hallway where one door is locked, the other door is locked, and you have two massive mobs trying to break into this hallway to murder this dude cold-blooded because they think it's Michael. When Karen keeps trying to tell everyone, that's not Michael. Lori's trying to tell them, that's not Michael. Michael, but everyone's like, including Tommy, has lost their shit and is chasing him all over the place, knocking over nurses. I mean, it's ridiculous. They're like a literal mob chasing the wrong guy. Massive waste of time in my mind. Uh he ends up jumping out the window uh and killing himself because he's just like, oh, there's no hope. Whatever, there's no getting out. And that's when they point out, it's like, look what Michael's done to us. They turn us into mosh. That whole thing feels so just pointless uh they also introduced like a romance uh sort of thing between lori and sheriff hawkins sheriff hawkins is sharing the room with lori when he's brought to the hospital and that doesn't take a lot of time it's like maybe five minutes where they're kind of reminiscing about like when he kissed her and you know she held his hand and stuff and blah 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 and it's just like i don't feel like that's necessary for this movie i genuinely don't unless they're setting up for something bigger in the third movie where like sheriff hawkins will actually die because Sheriff Hawkins believes he needs to be the one to kill Michael. Lori believes she needs to be the one to kill Michael. It's a whole thing. Lori is under this impression that Michael's after her. Sheriff Hawkins points out, no, it's, you know, that's not the case. Dr. Surtain, this is all, this was all his thing. He brought Michael to you. I mean, that's, that was his obsession, but that whole thing just felt very pointless. I, I don't see why we needed to introduce that romance into this film. I really don't, unless it's again, setting up for like Sheriff Hawkins to officially die in the next one. For a majority of the movie, Lori was under the impression that Michael was actually dead. Karen never told her the truth until it kind of got out. Um, And that kind of felt... Eh, you know i mean i can get it you know from a from a daughter's perspective worrying about her mother allison you know she is like dead set blood hungry wanting to hunt michael with the mob uh with cameron lonnie is uh cameron's father because you know again michael killed their dad um so allison's like full-blown like blood hungry wanting to hunt michael down and that's and you get the you get the hunting of where everyone is trying to find Michael, including this random, these random people, uh, the nurse and the, and the doctor, uh, whatever they they're tuned, they're, they're tagging into it. They don't know how to use a gun. And that's where you do get some pretty brutal kills. And uh, you know, the shot that's in the trailer where Lindy comes to the kids in the park and say, Oh, you know, a white man's playing hide and seek with us that scene. Yeah. Uh, Michael ends up killing the nurse Miriam, who again, that was from in the first movie, same actor, actress and everything. um, uh, the the uh, the nurse guy he gets stabbed in the eye he I mean he put he tried to choke Michael out so I mean hey prompt you know good on you for that uh, <laughs> the the chick the 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 doctor dude she died in such a stupid way in my opinion Michael's sitting in the driver's seat of the car and she's approaching with a gun shooting at the car and Michael just kicks the door when he does it hits the gun in her hand and makes it turn around and shoot herself and that's how she dies okay I mean good on you I guess. Um, you know, that, that was kind of dumb again. And, and also throughout this, it's like just the, 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 you know, the scripting itself I thought was very poor. Uh, just like the cheesy one-liners that Tommy kept delivering, which like, I'm going to get you, come and get me, you know, you know, just stuff like that. It's just like, ah, it's just kind of cringy and just kind of stupid. Um, So for the final act of the movie, you know, Karen finally kind of decides to leave and, uh, you know, try to go after Michael as well. At this point, Lonnie is, you you get it, it, all of his kills are leading up to Michael just going home, which, you know, the people living in his home now is Big John and Little John, uh, a gay couple who kept referring to themselves as Big John and Little John, which, I mean, I get that you're both named John, but, I, and I understand what you're going for there, but I don't know. I just felt it kind of weird that you continuously throughout the whole, every scene they were in had to deliver the big John, little John, big John, little John. I was just like, all right, guys, let's, let's keep it cool. You know, that's where Michael gets into their house and uh, ends up murdering them. and And for little John, after he found, you know, big John's dead body, I don't know, little John just. Man, he didn't give a shit. He just embraced his death because, you know, he stands up and Michael's there at the window, staring at the window like he was a kid. And little John, instead of doing something about it, he said, Michael, so you finally returned home and Michael just turns around, stares at him for a minute <laughs> and then just walks over and just murders him. Like he just accepted it. I mean, all right, whatever, man. I guess you have an obsession with, with Michael, maybe. I don't know. Um. So when it, when it comes to, you know, th- those three entering the house, first it was Lonnie who went into the house alone. Uh, Cameron and Allison, they hear gunshot. They go in there. And, you know, so this is where, you know, it, it's like these sort of things you expect in a horror movie. You know, you, you expect this sort of stupidity in a horror movie, but like, I feel like this movie really went over the top with it where it's like a little bit too much for, in my opinion, where it's like, where's the common sense in this situation? Cause they come into this house. Uh, they don't bother to try to turn on a single light. The electricity works in this house. That is very clear because they even get up to a room which is the uh, which is the Johns study and that's where they find the two dead bodies of John's including a, a, a music playing. so uh, all right shout out to Michael. I guess he'll enjoys some music because he's just vibing in this house right now. you know but the electricity's on, the music's playing like electri- electricity works and I don't know just the, the lack of common sense in the situation to maybe turn on some lights. Again, I get it's a horror movie, but like that sort of lack of common sense is throughout the entire movie. And it's just like, I can deal with it to points because it, it, we're used to this, but it's just like you kind of went over the top of lack of common sense. Like Allison going over and checking on the Johns, putting her weapon down, pulling a knife out of him. You know, Cameron then going into the hallway again. Turn on some lights, bud. That's where he finds his dad dead up above. Michael jumps out of a closet, starts stabbing Cameron. Allison comes in to help. Allison puts up a little bit of a fight. Shout out to that. She gets thrown down the stairs, gets her foot hurt, whatever. That's when Cameron brutally murdered basically in front of her because she keeps yelling at Michael to stop. Michael's like, oh, so you, so you like this guy. All right, well, let me just murder him more. How's that? And now another thing that they did absolutely right throughout this entire movie, and it's, and I wanted, I, I wanted to save this right for this moment because this moment alone, I've gotta find this. I have got to find this because it was so incredible. But uh the Carpenters, man, they did such a great job with the score throughout the entire movie. And this particular scene was probably my favorite piece of the score. Of after, you know, Michael kind of really fucks up camera and he's like hanging off this the railing, whatever, and he steps to the top of the stairs, start walking out. That score beautiful absolutely phenomenal i gotta find that part i gotta find that one particular song because it was incredible so that was one thing that was amazing throughout the movie was the score and i again i wanted to save talking about it for that moment because that single moment really pushed me over where i even said to john who was sitting beside me i was like oh man that is an awesome track um you know once he comes down the stairs you know he she tries putting up a fight against michael and then in comes karen karen comes in to save the day stabs michael in the back with a pitchfork um, you know, and, and ends up ripping his mask off, and it's just like you know, it's like you want someone take me, take me. You know, Michael was pissed because he did a fast walk here. Yeah, he did a fast walk. You know, he's mad if that's the case. He's maskless in this situation, and she leads him to the mob of people. All right, the giant mob of Haddonfield says the same line where it's like, "Gotcha." You know, she said that in the previous movie, and then everyone starts beating the shit out of Michael. Tommy Sheriff Brackett's there. Same actor shout out to that. Uh, you know, Sheriff Brackett again with you know he sends a cringy one-liner just like everyone else where it's like michael everyone needs one good you know fright on halloween cringy one-liners throughout the whole movie and the amount like you know when it comes to those it's like everyone in the hospital chanting evil dies tonight evil dies like i hear this one more time i'm gonna lose it like please stop like please um you know but everyone's beating the shit out of him, and this is another one of those moments of where it's like trademark horror movie thing it's just like no common sense like everyone stops like st- they they stop beating him at a point. So it's like don't stop, keep going. Uh even before this uh this fight started, Michael still maskless his mask is dropped on the ground cuz you know, Karen kind of set it there to you know, uh, you know, basically lure him there or whatever. They let the guys get down and pick his mask up and put it back on. no fuck that. There's a couple people in the crowd with a gun. Go ahead and start gunning his ass down. Again, I know it's a horror movie. I know these are clichés and tropes for it, but you know i and and i can deal with that to a point but when it's throughout the entire movie it's just like okay this is getting a little bit too much of lack of common sense in these human beings that would never happen in these actual situations again they beat the living shit out of michael karen gets a good stab like right around the back of his neck whatever uh you know they're assuming he's dead you know once karen is back with uh her daughter setting on my you know the Myers porch, whatever police are there, you know, there's still like a couple, you know, the crowd is around Michael and stuff. And then Michael gets up and starts murdering all of them out of nowhere. You know, again, this dude's like not human. Of course we, we've seen this before, you know, murder sheriff bracket right off the bat Rest in peace, sheriff bracket, you know, everyone else one by one starts getting murdering. And as they're, as he's murdering them, you know Lori's talking to Sheriff Hawkins with you know more of these cringy lines of, the more he kills, the more he transcends, the more powerful he becomes and stuff. I it's just really, really stupid lines, honestly. You know, you know, for for what this trilogy was trying to deliver, where the with 2018 movie they were really just trying to deliver this dude's just a psychopath, right? Cause they got rid of like the sibling stuff. They got rid of the family ties and they just made him as a psychopath. That's all. That's what they were going for. So now they're, it feels like we're kind of flirting with the whole like demonic side of things that like Halloween five and obviously six really went through with the cult of Thorn. Uh, and obviously I'm not saying they're doing that, but that's what it kind of feels like because it's like, with how Laurie's lines are talking about how he transcends, the more he kills, the more he kills. It's like, it, it feels like we're flirting with that. And the fact that Michael took the beating, he did and a knife through like the, around like the neck or shoulder, or whatever. And then he starts murdering everyone, including Tommy. Well, Tommy he had a good run. Uh, I don't know. Just, it feels, it feels off to me. You know, so that's why I'm kind of curious where Halloween ends is going to take this. Uh, and then the, uh, the final, sh- the final shot of the movie was, uh, was Karen getting murdered. Uh, so Karen was murdered in this. She goes back up to that room, uh, where Michael would always stare out the window. And I was sitting here saying to John, you know, uh, you know, again, she's in the Myers house and I was sitting here saying, I'm like, John, I swear to God, if what's about to happen is going to happen, I'm going to be kind of upset. And it happened. Michael's behind her and starts stabbing her relentlessly. And the reason why I was upset about it is because again, it makes no sense. Like he, I know he was a few blocks over, he was a few blocks over, but there's cops everywhere right now. It's like you, you got him. There's cops everywhere. There's cops everywhere in front of the Myers house. There are people literally right downstairs. Where did he, I mean, this man's got teleport, right? So I I know a lot of this sounds like nitpicking and I guess it kind of is, you know, just because Uh, As a Halloween fan, you have such higher expectations of what you want out of it, you know, from some of some of the greater movies that we have had in the past. And like I said, this movie, it did a lot of things right that, you know, the score really kept me in throughout the whole movie. You know, now one thing that this movie had zero of is tension. I feel like this movie had no tension whatsoever. The little bit that 2018 had, this one had none. 2018 had a few good shots of tension. Throughout the movie, all right, a few good ones like uh, like the kid in that guy's backyard that gets you know the fence murder or whatever. That tension of the lights continuing turn on and off and him like disappearing, getting close or whatever. Great tension there. The the Michael versus Laurie in the house that was awesome amount of tension. Like the tension they had in the first one, great. The tension in this one. 0 none absolutely zero this is just like i don't know it almost feels like they kind of flirted with like rob zombie's approach of just making it very in your face brutal carnage which again the carnage was fantastic if you're a fan of carnage candy but for a halloween movie i don't know those the you know this the fear factor the dread as you're watching it is one thing that i feel like really makes the movies better and this movie just didn't deliver it for me. Uh, the ending, like I said, I, I, I didn't care for the ending at all. I mean, the ending just kind of killed it for me. I'm still going to go see Halloween ends. I mean, I, I am, I'm a Halloween diehard fan. Um, but I, I'm not going to go into it like overly pumped. I can definitely say that. And I, out of these David Gordon Green movies, 2018, in my opinion, was not only better than Halloween Kills, but immensely better than Halloween Kills. Like, it's not even close about how much better 2018 is from this one. I do think this movie is worth a watch, um, but I got to say, unless you're a Halloween diehard, don't go see it in theaters. I'm going to go ahead and say it up front. Just go ahead and save your money on that front and wait for it to come to, like, streaming or you know rent it for cheap at Redbox or rent it for like what three bucks on amazon or wherever you rent stuff uh just wait for that unless you're a halloween diehard like like me and you've seen every single movie a thousand times don't go see it in theaters i'm gonna go ahead and say it up front i mean if i had to give the movie a rating uh like maybe a five or six out of ten uh maybe a six i'll I'll bump it up to a six because the carnage candy was fantastic the score was great and that they and that the opening shot of the movie was, was incredible. So I'll give it a six, maybe a 6.5 to give it a little credit for that opening sequence and everything, but everything else is just like, there's so much that just kind of felt empty about it. And I mean, I, I mean, it is worth a watch. If you're a Halloween fan, it's worth a watch. Just, I just don't know if it's worth the watch in theater, unless you're a diehard. Um, but have you guys seen the movie? If you have comment down below your thoughts on the movie, am am I on an Island here or is there some, you know, or, or is everyone kind of on the same boat? I feel like I might not be on an Island. I feel like a lot of people may feel the same, at least from stuff that I've seen. Um, But, yeah, let me know your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Make sure to check out the other podcasts here at Sparky3, like Lighthearted Gamers, Anime Plus, Terrible Football Show, and all that stuff. Uh, Go check out the other Terrible uh, Talking About Movies and Stuff episode, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, And, like I said, don't have expectations for this show. An episode will come out when it comes out. Uh, I will say some future movies that are on our slate is I know I am going to see Eternals. I don't know if I'm going to go see it with someone, but I'm going to see Eternals for sure. Uh, Spider-Man, of course. I, me and John want to go see the Rocky Four Director's Cut that's coming out next month. And there's a couple other horror movies that actually that's coming out that actually look pretty dope. Uh, Dune kind of has my interest. I think that's coming out soon. Resident Evil comes out in November. So there are some other movies and stuff that are coming out. I still have plans to do episodes focused on some TV shows as well because I, I I haven't got a chance to really talk about like WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, or Loki. And I'd really like to because I really loved all three of those. So I'd, I really would like to dive into all three those with someone, uh, probably my buddy Josh, who's my co host over at Animan Plus. Probably me and him will dive into it. Maybe Jimmy as well. Jimmy's watched them, so I may, may talk to him about it. He's a big Marvel guy. Um, but yeah, if you enjoy this, uh, give us a like on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, or if you're listening to this on podcast format on like the 50,000 platforms we may or may not be on, uh, react in uh, whatever way accordingly. Uh, that's it. All right, bye. This is talking about movies and stuff. See ya.